Hello, and welcome once again to the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I'm so excited and honored by your wise decision to join us for what we have to share with you today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they can fall into one of several different categories. We have our entrepreneurs, local business owners, and small business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our guest experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Our feed is called Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you. It's updated every single week with fresh content. Now today, I'm especially excited to have with us Mary Beth Kuzmeski. And we're going to be talking today about social intelligence. When you're in marketing, when you're in sales, when you're doing anything that involves persuading others to your point of view or persuading them to do the things that you want them to do, to take the actions that you want them to take, uh, getting people to talk and the use of socially, social intelligence is a key competency that you must have in order to succeed as a business creator. So just to tell you a little bit about Maribeth, Maribeth Kuzmeski uh, is the president of Red Zone Marketing. She and her firm, Red Zone Marketing, consult and speak for businesses from financial services firms to Fortune 500 companies on strategic marketing, planning, and business growth. Maribeth has personally consulted with some of the world's most successful CEOs, entrepreneurs, and professionals. An internationally recognized speaker, she shares the tactics that business people use today to create more sustainable business relationships and sales and marketing successes. Maribeth has written seven books, including And the Clients Went Wild and The Connectors. Her newest book is Social Media, a Step-by-Step Guide, and she's also written a book with her teenage daughter called The Engaging Child, Raising Children to Speak, Write, and Have Relationship Skills Beyond Technology. That right there is a very exciting topic. Maribeth is an international keynote speaker and is a regular media contributor appearing on Fox, ABC, NBC, CS, CBS, WGN-TV, and in publications including the Wall Street Journal, the Chicago Tribune, the New York Times, Entrepreneur Magazine, and Forbes. And i got to tell you right now, I'm really not sure that I quite belong on this episode because I'm not sure I can measure up to Maribeth here. I think I should probably just uh, resign and turn the whole thing over. <laughs> Maribeth, welcome aboard. We're so honored to have you, and I know we have so much we have to sh- we have to share today. So thank you so much for taking the time to spend with our business creators today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Now, I suspect that despite all these places you've been, there may be one or two people out there who have not heard of you yet. So for those folks, and for those who also haven't had an opportunity to uh, visit you and learn more about you, uh, what I'd like to do is just sort of take a step back and have you tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you to where you are today. Well, great. Thank you. Well, my firm, Red Zone Marketing, started back in 1994. And it started, you know, I didn't have some grand plan that I was going to start a marketing agency or a marketing firm. Uh, I, my husband ended up getting transferred. I was pregnant. I couldn't get another big corporate job like I had. So I decided, well, maybe I'll just open up my business. So sometimes the, you know, we don't have the best laid plans for some of these things. But it happened, and I thought I would just kind of do it a little bit part-time while I was raising kids, and it turned out to be that it was, it was, it's been quite an experience. Um, Red Zone Marketing, we focus a lot in the financial services realm, and we work with financial advisors and mutual co- fund companies and insurance agencies, but we also you know, work with individual CEOs, entrepreneurs, and word has luckily traveled around about our firm within certain industries and things like that, and we've been able to do a lot of good work. The work we do is all about business development. So if a firm wants to grow, that's what we specialize in. We don't specialize in creating logos. or do, We specialize in growth, growth strategy. And so once you have a strategy that kind of works, you, you do it once and it really works, then people start talking about it. And that's where we were really fortunate is we benefited from the word of mouth 
Uh, and it, it kind of got a kickstart quicker than I, when I would have thought. I, you know, I told my husband, well, I'm just going to do this part-time, and next thing you know it, um, I was asked to come speak at a conference, and I was so scared to speak, I couldn't even believe it. But I go to this conference and speak, and it ends up that this kind of kickstarts my entire business. And um, I didn't get paid for that speaking engagement. So sometimes we go, we never know where these opportunities are going to come from. But uh, right. that's kind of my background and story. And since then, I've you know, I, I've written seven books, and you know, I, as you mentioned, I'm on in certain media all over the place. But mostly, I'm, you know, I'm a person, and my firm uh, is such that we serve our clients, and that's our main focus. Our main focus is not promoting ourselves or being in the media, but really serving our clients. And the more we do that, and and the more we continue to be good at that, the the more the firm grows. That's fantastic, and that's a really great story. Thanks for sharing that with us, obviously. Now, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, the techniques, and the strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And I hear from our listeners all the time who write into us, who comment on social media, who call us and email us, and they tell me that they have pretty much everything at their disposal that they need to implement anything that you or anybody else who comes on the radio show shares with them, except for time and money. Now, I ask this question of everybody who appears on our show, and what I like about it is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money play a role or impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, time and money obviously are critical, because without time, you can't implement anything. And without money, sometimes we can't implement anything either. Sometimes we don't need as much money as we need time. But the key is prioritization. It's what do you really want to do? And it doesn't matter what it is in our lives. If we put it as a priority, we will find time for it. And we can also find the money as long as it's not too exorbitant. But we can find the time if we look at it as a, like a strategy. And if the strategy is important enough, how are we going to make time for this? And so that's really, it's all about prioritizing. And we often you know, recommend that, uh, that our clients have an action plan of these are the things that I'm going to do, these are the dates I'm going to get them done, in sort of a plan of action so that we don't feel like we have to do everything today and it's so overwhelming that we end up doing nothing. And that's what happens a lot. It happens to me too. I go to these conferences where I can learn how to be a better me, right? And you come back with all of these ideas and you go, there's no way I'm going to get all this stuff done. And there isn't unless we put it into a bit of a plan of action with right. priorities. And then we can sort of do it. Right. I have been to so many events and I've seen the energy that emerges when you're at day three of the event and you swear your business is going to turn around. And a year later, uh, that event has been added to like the one of dozens or hundreds you've attended and you're wondering why you still haven't completely moved forward. And I think what you're going to share with us today is going to give us some real insights in terms of what are some of the state mistakes that folks make and what is a certain competency and a certain marketing and business creation skill that's right in front of us that we don't spend nearly enough time nurturing and developing. And if we were to spend more time on this, I think we would find that a lot of the other pieces fall right into place. But before we do all that, Mary Beth, what do you see as being the biggest mistake people make when it comes to their marketing? Well, this is, you know, it, it's, the, it's the question of the day, question of the hour, question <laughs> of the year. It's been the question. Like, what is it? If there was one thing that we could change to make our marketing better, what would that be? And across the board, what we have seen, especially in service-related businesses or businesses that rely on the people within the business um, and even product-related businesses, it's our messaging. The biggest mistake that we make in marketing is not messaging ourselves properly. And you think, well, you know, I message myself, prop- myself properly. But if somebody says, what do you do? Does the answer compel them so much that they go, my gosh, I, I need to do business with you? Or does it go in one, out, in one ear and out the other? I mean, how do you compel others? Oftentimes, it's the words we use. It's also the reason that, let's say we have some kind of a marketing event or we do something as a tactic in marketing to generate more business. But it doesn't matter how many people come to that event or you know, whatever the scenario might be. It matters what we say to get them to want to do something. And today, in this ADD society that we have created for ourselves where everyone is so distracted beyond belief, 
we have to use better words to describe what we do so that it completely is in focus and in line with what the other person wants. Not what we they're not asking what do you do? Like I'm looking for the the background and, you know, all the things that you've ever done in your career. I'm asking you what you do because I want to know what you're going to do for me. And if we don't phrase it that way, we're missing out on a great opportunity. And that's the biggest mistake in marketing. We do not message ourselves properly. Right, right. If you could just repeat for us, because I think you really nailed something here. Um, the thing about how we phrase the question, what do you do and what does that all mean? Because this is something that I've had a number of conversations with people with. So if you could repeat that for me just one more time, and I think I have an insight on that. Well, so it's not when somebody says, what do you do? Right. You could answer the question just literally saying, well, we do this and this and this and we sell these products and these services and blah, blah, blah. Or you could tell It's not giving the general vanilla answer. It's giving a specific answer for the person that is asking you that question. And that's the way you get people interested. And it's not even that maybe they want to do business with you or maybe that they don't even have an opportunity to do business with you. But if you want them to share your business with somebody else, they've got to be able to remember something that you said. And the only things that we remember remember are things that are impactful to us. That's very powerful that you said that. Because I do see this all the time. And whenever I go to networking type functions, I look for every single thing I can possibly do to avoid answering the question, what do you do? Because what am I going to do? I'm going to read off a list of services. I'm going to explain, I'm going to repeat our company's mission statement. I mean, what does that really mean to somebody? And in the end, to me anyway, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, to me, I don't think it really matters what I do. I think it matters how I can help. So I don't really want to read off a bullet point list of stuff that I do and hope that there's something in that list that the person who's listening to me is interested in. What I'd like to do is I'd like to find out what their needs are and make the determination if there's a place we can help. Right. Or, you know, in fact, saying something that is compelling in general. So if you know who your audience, you know who you're talking to, that gives you a leg up. But if you don't know who you're talking to, then you've got to make the best judgment that you can make based on, you know, who, who you think you might be talking with. So, for instance, you know, my firm works with lots of top financial advisors. We don't work uh-huh. with financial advisors that are just starting in the business. We work with them, most of them, after they've already been making a million dollars or more. And so when somebody says that, that is in a financial services audience, I don't ask them, how much money do you make before I tell them what we do? What I say is we specialize in working with some of the nation's top advisors, those grossing more than a million dollars. We help them get to their next level in sales. That's all we say. Now, is that very exciting? Well, as it turns out, it's pretty exciting to those that are making more than a million dollars because they go, wait a minute, if you're working with people that are like me, then I need to know what you've shared with them. I need to to get to my next level in sales. Tell me more about what you do. And it has been one of the single most important things that we've done because, by the way, as a consulting firm, you've got to have clients that can actually pay you. Those that make more than a million dollars can pay us. And so not only that, but we do have the strategies that will work. So it's not just saying, well, we work with financial advisors. No, it's being specific. Even if the person in front of you, you don't know if they're in that category or not because we've chosen the positioning that we want. And sometimes it's choosing your positioning that's more important um, than, you know, obviously the laundry list of stuff that you do. Right. Now, Mary Beth, I have to tell you that I have a number of tools at my disposal. I have everything from torture equipment to my cats who will be irresistibly cute to sodium pentothal, bribes, invective, everything else. But tell me, tell me, how do you get people to talk? Well, one of the best ways to get people to talk, so if you want to, like you said, you want to uncover their needs, see what's important to them, see how you can help them. Sometimes getting to that next level, you've got to figure out what it is that they need. And in order to do that, they've got to talk. But most of the time, people don't want to talk. I mean, you know, there's some people who just can't stop talking. But if I say to somebody, how are you doing? They're going to say, no matter if they're good or they're bad, they're going to say, good, pretty good. Right. But 
that, so that's not a good question to get people talking, but there's lots of questions like that that we ask that people won't ever give you the real answer. And if somebody does give you the real answer, you think they're odd. Like, oh, how, how are you doing? Well, thanks for asking. You know, my knee is just killing me. I was up all night, and I go, let's say I go on and on and on talking about how I am. So you're like, I, what is wrong with her? I, I just asked her how she was doing. I really didn't want to know, you know? Right. So how do we ask questions? that people go, okay, she really wants to know the answer to this question. And we look at it this way. So you can't ask just a general question. So, for instance, if you were trying to um, you know, un- uncover a need for somebody and you ask a question, well, how is your health? And let's say that you work in an industry where their health might be important, whatever that might be. And they say, good, fine, because they don't want to divulge to you what their health really is. They don't even know you really, and they don't want to, they don't know if they want to do business with you. So asking the question a different way, instead of saying, how's your health, you might say, what's your biggest health concern? Because when you ask that question, we call it a big question. When okay. you ask that question, what's your biggest health concern, they actually will tell you. Because you've not given them an option to not say anything, because it's too big of a lie to say I don't have any health concerns. What's your biggest health concern? Well, it's a good question. And then they answer it. And that way, you can be the listener. You can be the person that's sitting back and listening to something that's very important to them. There's three things that are really important to people. It's their health, it's their religion, and, or whatever you know, that might be, and it is their family. And sometimes it, it varies in different orders, and there's other things that you could tack onto that list. But if you ask a question of something that's really important to somebody, um, you can actually get them talking, and while you're listening, you become like the psychologist. So think of it this way. If, if I ask you, are a business owner, and I say, what's your biggest challenge? And you go, oh, my gosh, I've got a million challenges. Well, uh, and you think about it, and then you give me one of your answers. Well, while you're thinking and talking about this, you're actually divulging something that you may not have told somebody else. You say, you know what, I sometimes I have trouble making payroll. It's kind of like a cash flow issue. Oh, well, you divulge something like that, it might be that there's a bond that's starting to build, even though the person right. who asked the question is not talking about themselves. They're not talking about how many certifications or letters they have behind their name. They're not talking about their family or their interests. They're just listening. And it's like that relationship a patient has with a psychologist. The patient knows nothing about the psychologist. The psychologist knows everything about the patient. Yet the patient feels incredibly close, this bond with the psychologist because that person just listened. And that's the key. See, when we, when we talk about social intelligence and being a great connector, it's not about how much you talk. That's what we think. Only extroverts are great connectors. You know, that, that may or may not be true because it's not about talking. It's not about being gregarious. It's about listening. And that's one of the most important things we can do to create a bond and get somebody actually paying attention to you is by getting them to talk. Right. And this is a level of profundity that we very often miss when we have conversations about marketing and how to find out what's on your audience's mind and to get people to tell you what it is that they're looking for. All the time we see in marketing training, just find out what people want and then give it to them. Well, that's a great cliche. And in fact, I've used it in my blogging and some of my education as well. That's a great place to start, but there is a difference between what people say they want and what it is that they will actually respond to. And that's one of the challenges that we run across. And what we're going to cover here today with this uh, concept of social intelligence, I think is going to give us some great insights on helping to find out what they respond to. And there's one other thing I want to mention, and I want to put a bookmark on it because we're going to come back to it, is it's funny you mentioned the whole thing about the questions that people ask when they're starting conversation, because I can give you, anytime any tries, anybody wants to have what's called small talk with me, I can give you the answers. How you doing? Fine. How's business? Great. Uh, how you doing today? Awesome. Uh, what are you up to? Nothing. Uh, you got any plans for tonight? I don't know. 
I, I've just answered those questions. <laughs> the answers will always be that. Even if I know the answers are different, that's what I'm always going to say because these types of questions do not engage me. Um, I don't feel that there's really any value to answering them. So I will give those answers even if uh, I happen to know the answer. The true answers are different. That's just what I'm going to say because I want to get on to something a little bit more interesting. And I think that's where social intelligence comes into play. So Mary Beth, why don't you tell us what social intelligence is and why it's important to us? Well, social intelligence, when we look at what makes a business person successful and you look at all the different characteristics that a person might possess, you know, they might be persistent, they might have, um, you know, different kinds of will, they might be extrovert, they might be gregarious, they might have all of these different characteristics. But when we look at the one characteristic of success beyond all of the others, it's social intelligence because social intelligence are, is our ability to connect and communicate. And if you are client or customer facing at all, you need to have social intelligence. But the good and the bad news about social intelligence, our ability to connect and communicate with others, is that we can, we're not necessarily born with it. We can get better at it and we can get worse at it. And we can get better and worse at it several times during a day. So it's not like you, you're just born socially intelligent and that's what you know makes you so successful. Um, it's really something that we've got to have some focus on. You know, am I focused on the other person? Am I focused on what they want and need? Am I actually thinking about that, or am I spending most of the time in a conversation with somebody or in my communication with somebody talking about things that are important to me? Important to me or important to them? Social intelligence is all about the other person. And that's why sometimes we're good at it and sometimes we think at it because we've forgotten or we don't care. You know, if, 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 you know, if there's somebody that we really don't care about that much um, and they're engaging us and we don't choose to engage back, we're not necessarily being socially intelligent, but we're, we're also making a conscious choice to do that. So we've got to be aware of this concept called social intelligence because it is what allows people to want to do business with you. Now, we work with a lot of professionals that sell the same stuff. Like you look at professional after professional and they sell, they have basically the same products, they've got basically the same solutions. You go, what's different? Well, the only thing that's different is the person that's delivering it. And so how do we make that person different? How do we stand out as an individual who is delivering a service that lots of other people also deliver? And it is through social intelligence. That's how we make the difference. And it's not about being nice or being sweet. It's about being compelling to them. That's really what social intelligence is all about. Right. Certainly. So how do we become more socially intelligent well, we kind of talked about it already, but it is the, the first thing that you can do is by being a better listener. And, you know, in today's day and age, I mentioned that we've got an ADD society, but the reality is the average attention span in the United States is about nine seconds. And that means that nobody really is listening to anybody. And if you want to stand out, try listening. Because most people don't do it. They don't do it consciously. There's people that are listening to the show right now that are also checking their emails. And okay, that's fine. But what about when you're talking on the phone with your very best client? Are you checking your emails? Maybe you're not listening. You go, wait a minute, I'm listening. It's them that's not listening. Well, it kind of goes both ways. We all do it the same. We, we all kind of do it the same way. So when you think about how I am as a socially intelligent person, we always look to listening first. And one of the ways that you can measure this is to say, okay, my last meeting with a client or a prospect or somebody, did I talk or listen more? And we look at it as a 50-50 breakdown. If I talked for 50% of that meeting, that means I must have listened for 50% of that meeting. And if you can listen for 50% of the meeting, we consider that as the beginning point to a successful meeting. If you can listen longer than 50% of the meeting, we, we've, got a, we've got a client in Sarasota, Florida, and he says, listen, if I'm meeting with a prospect, somebody who's interested in doing business with me, and I can listen for 85% of the meeting, he go, of the very first meeting, he goes, the sale just closes itself. He goes, I don't know if they talked themselves into me or whatever, but see, what he didn't understand is that what he has done is proved to, to them that he actually cares. And sometimes 
it's the lost art. We need to know. Most people don't. I mean, you go to the grocery store, the person doesn't even look at you in the eye who's checking you out. You're not developing a relationship with that person. But let's turn the tables. Are you developing a relationship with the people that you want to develop relationships with? And is it meaningful? And have you put the focus and the time behind it? Right. Okay. Uh, that is all very, that's all very well and good. Uh, now, I mentioned we put a bookmark in something a few minutes ago, and now I'd like to pull that bookmark out and I'd like to return to it. And I gave the examples of various types of questions that people will ask me, and I'll have the pre-formulated answers, whether or not those answers reflect the reality in that moment or not, because I just really don't want to have those conversations and it really doesn't engage me. And there are those that say the people who have what are known as introverted personalities will tend to not react well to small talk in some cases because they find it to be a very draining experience. Now, being an introvert myself, that may be part of the reason I do it because I really, I really don't want to discuss, you know, what I'm doing right now or what I'm doing tonight or how I'm feeling. I, I mean, if, if these are the types of things where if I really wanted you to know, I'd tell you. So, uh, that being said, who do you think is better at connecting, introverts or extroverts? Well, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting question because you think, or people might think, that extroverts obviously are better at connecting. I mean, they love going to, for instance, a networking event or a business function. You know, they're the first ones there, the last ones to leave. They've shaken everyone's hands. They've had a great time. Because the extroverts get their energy from other people. Introverts get their energy sucked from other people. So it's a lot of work to go to an event like that. And it doesn't have anything to do with being shy, because actually there's more shy extroverts than there are introverts. So I think we sometimes mistake what the meaning of an extrovert or an introvert is. An introvert is somebody that gets their energy taken from other people while they're having communication. So what introverts will do more often than not is be better listeners. Well, if the definition of social intelligence is, or one of the ways to become more socially intelligent is to be a better listener, then, you know, you kind of do the math and you go, well, introverts would be better connectors then. Because connecting is not about talking. Connecting truly is about listening. But you've got to think about what is the question that I'm going to ask so I can be a listener. Because if I just come in and say, how you doing? And you go, good. That's not the kind of conversation that's going to be meaningful. And there is, a, there is someone that we work with. He's actually a financial advisor. He's a very high introvert, but he's incredibly successful. And he spends a lot of time going to business functions, and it drains him. But what he does before every business function is he thinks about who is going to be there, who are those three to five people that I want to talk with. I don't want to talk with everyone. He makes it very purposeful. He does a little bit of research before he gets there to see maybe Google searches a few of the people that are going to be there, looks at their LinkedIn profile. So he knows what questions to ask when he goes in to have a conversation with them. He goes in, talks to one, two, three people, and leaves and goes home and has dinner with his wife while the extrovert's still there shaking everybody's hands and leaving the meeting going, I never get anything out of these uh, networking sessions. And so, you know, the true answer is that Introverts are far better at connecting than extroverts. However, if an extrovert could be prepared with questions, so extrovert wings it. They go, I don't need to prepare to go to a networking meeting. I just go, right? I'm diving in, yes. But if an extrovert could be prepared and think about who am I going to meet? What would I like to say? What do I want to know from this person? What kind of questions could I ask them? And goes in and has a very purposeful meeting, they would be off the charts successful at networking and at being a connector, but a lot of times extroverts like to hear themselves talk as it seems, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in between an extrovert and an introvert, but I seem to be doing a lot of talking on this interview, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, but an extrovert likes to hear themselves talk. They, they get energy from that. People are listening to me. This is wonderful, right? But the reality is that that's not good for connecting. I see what you mean. And, you know, those of us who regularly tune into the Business Creators Radio Show know that I'm not only the host, but I also join our listeners with my pen and my notepad in hand looking for the slight edge. And I'm so glad that you explained this difference between who is better connecting, whether it's introverts or extroverts, because when I reveal 
that I have an introverted personality. There are folks who have seen me in person who say that's absolutely impossible, or they've seen how I can conduct myself on a Skype interview, and they say there's absolutely no way you're an introvert. You're so outgoing. What they don't see is they don't see my struggle, Mary Beth. They don't see what I plan. They don't see what I go through to get to that point. And that's the thing with introverts versus extroverts. It's not about being shy or being antisocial or a loner or anything along those lines. It's largely about how you gain and spend energy from social interactions. And this is really good news for our introverted listeners, which happens to be, according to our numbers, a majority of the people listen to Business Creators Radio Show, because it shows that you can engage in all of these techniques and how to connect with people and um connect with people and how to be purposeful in your interactions with others and you can gain so much out of it i just love that example of the person who can go to the networking event and they can have their little plan together they can know who they want to meet they can know a couple things about who they want to meet and they can go in there they can get their business done and they can get out of there myself in in events like this i will tend to focus on a few very high quality conversations i may make a round around the room once but i'm really looking for a few key connections and uh, that's when i feel i'm successful so Well, yeah, and, you know, one of the things that we found, I wrote this book called The Connectors, and when I wrote the book called The Connectors, I interviewed lots of people to find out, and it's really really a book about social intelligence, what we're talking about today, and I interviewed Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the head of BNI, which is the largest networking organization in the world, right, and so he said something very similar to what you said, um, except it was, there's a touch difference. his wife said, you're an introvert. And he said, I am the CEO of the largest networking organization. I am not an introvert. And she, she said, I, I think you are. You, you express, you know, you, you, you have some of the characteristics. So he took a, an assessment and found out that he was an introvert and realized that the reason he created BNI, see, if you've ever been to a BNI event, you know, it's, it's very regimented. There's not a lot of room for just winging it or small talk. You come in, you're purposeful, you, you've got things that are prepared, you're supposed to bring things to the meeting, and it's very, it, it's in and out kind of a thing with, uh, right. with BNI networking. And he says, that's what I realized is that's why I created BNI. It wasn't because I couldn't network. It was because I didn't want to do it like everybody else was doing it. I wanted to do it in a really focused way because I just didn't want to have my energy all drained and everything else. And it was really interesting because for you, you knew you're an introvert, but people don't believe it. For him, he didn't know he was an introvert and didn't want to believe it and then realized, hey, I am it. You know what? It's a good thing. It's actually a positive characteristic. It's a positive thing to be an introvert because you will spend more time concerned with the other person and less time wasting time. Actually, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't realize the impact of the labels introvert and extrovert. Now, you actually don't want to use the word labels. I want to use the word classifications. And I didn't have the language around identifying myself as being either introverted or extroverted. What I knew was that um, I get a feeling of excitement whenever a meeting's canceled. I know that whenever I go to a seminar or a conference, uh, at various times during the event, I just have to disappear and be my, by myself for a couple hours. And I know that once I do that, I come back with this reservoir of energy that would not have been there otherwise. I recognize that my social um, interactions have a breaking point, so to speak, and I knew that, uh, and I knew that I was actually telling my own mother, "Don't call me to ask me how I am. Call me with something interesting." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. For mother. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's how it is. We deal with, uh, uh, you know, parents and family members and going to things with you know, people who are, you know, family members and friends of family and things like that. And a big thing that we frequently dread is the 25 different people who you know you're related to somehow. And in some cases, you can't remember exactly how they're your cousin or how they're your aunt or your uncle or something along those lines and they're asking you all these 
probing, invasive questions about your life and getting really irritated with it. Like when I am at a social function like that, where it's not a business type thing, and people start asking me 20 questions like, well, what do you do in business? What is your day like? Uh, What kind of customers do you have? Uh, What are the services you offer? And it's like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. But you don't want to have the conversation because there's not a purpose behind it. They're not going to do business with you or share you with somebody else. They're just asking these questions so that they can fill time. And, you know, you're not a time filler. Right, right. And when I recognized that, I developed a strategy around it where I find myself being pulled into a conversation that I feel in that context is uh, just a time filler or a small talk type thing. Or if I eat, sometimes I even sense that they're just hoping to keep me talking until they find a punchline. Uh, uh, back when I used to, you know, I used to talk about shopping carts and things like that, which we in the marketing world know shopping cart is that function on your website that enables you to collect money in exchange for giving people stuff. So I start talking about shopping carts and they say, yeah, you know, I was in the supermarket and the shopping cart hit my car and now I have $300 in damage. And I'm thinking, why did you even ask me about my business if you were just going to turn the term shopping cart into a punchline? <laughs> I mean, talk, <laughs> right. about, talk, about a wa- talk about a waste of me needing to be there. So one of the strategies I came up with is to say, is when I, when I find myself in that situation, I'll just ask them, you know, is this something that you'd seriously like to have a conversation about? Would you really like to learn more about online marketing or product launches or website conversions? Because if you do, then we should probably have a separate conversation. So you, know, you should get on my schedule and maybe we can talk about this a little bit this week coming up. Right now, I just don't want to have my focus on business. So when I say it that way, and sometimes my wording's a little bit different, if they actually are serious and it's happened once or twice where they were serious, is, you know, I end up having a business conversation with them within a business context. Otherwise, they say, well, I was just curious. And I say, okay. <laughs> but uh, but right. I made but I made the, but I made the point that I really just don't want to have that conversation. Now we have a we have a good uh, fifteen minutes left here, um, and I do actually twenty minutes left here, and I do want to give you a few moments at the end to share some insights with our listeners in terms of how they can engage with you and how you can help business creators like them. But there's something else that's on my heart here right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wing this. I really don't know if this is applicable to our situation or what we're talking about when it comes to social intelligence and connecting with people, but I'm going to take a shot at it. Uh, I personally hate meetings. Uh, I will, if I have to, and notice my language because I'm conscious of it too, if I have to sit through a meeting, I can sit there for 90 minutes and not have a single thing to say. And folks will approach me afterward and say, you know, Adam, you were really quiet tonight. And I'm thinking, no, I just, uh, I was just in observation mode is what I'll typically say. The fact, the fact is, is, uh, what really was going on is I was struggling to stay focused while it felt like everybody else was saying the same thing just to fill space and be noticed, whereas I have felt absolutely no need. In fact, uh, most of the time I was questioning my need to even be in that meeting. But uh, take me out of that type of space and put me in a focus group or put me in a work group and I can dominate that. So it's kind of funny. Um, I have no time and I have no patience for regurgitation or maintenance meetings, but put me in a work group type thing and I can really master that thing. So for those of us who have to sit through meetings and find it to be um, a bore, a waste of time, something that completely drains our energy, and it feels like we can't get a word in because when somebody does call on us to put a word in, we really have nothing to say that hasn't been said already. How can we get something out of that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. There are some meetings that, and, and I have the the unlucky privilege of sitting in lots of meetings. <laughs> and I, I feel the same way, but this goes back to what I said before about it being purposeful. And if it's not purposeful for you, it just doesn't seem to be worth it. I mean, you're, you're, you're here for a reason and the reason isn't to sit in some wasteful meeting. Right. So when we look at it that way, we go, well, how can we change it? Well, you know, sometimes we have to step up and take control of the meeting. Now, I have done this on many occasions, and sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, and sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, start off the meeting and ask the question, what is our purpose here today? What are we hoping to accomplish? Who would like to have, you know, who has comments and would like to participate? And then you write all that down, and then you get through the meeting. 
Um, but having a moderator or a facilitator of the meeting is one of the ways to keep it moving faster right. and keep it being purposeful. And so if no one else steps up and does that, I often do. And again, like I said, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. Uh, but if you don't do it, if somebody doesn't do it, it's just a wasted period of time. What are we trying to accomplish in this meeting? Uh, you know, who needs to talk about this? How long do we want to have this meeting for? And then you move forward. And, right. you know, when somebody is going on and on, you cut them off. Not, not you know, in a, in a mean way, but you, you know, kind of just change the gears of the conversation. And that's what has to happen because um, otherwise you will be so frustrated that you won't want to attend any meetings at all. But some meetings are really important. In fact, meetings should be important because that's where you're gathering people that care um, about a particular issue. Now, you know, if that's not the, the premise, if people don't care about this issue and they're meeting about it, then we don't need to have the meeting. Right. But if they honestly do care about it, then it just needs some facilitation and we can have a successful meeting and, and maybe even a very short meeting. So, for instance, I had a one-hour call on my schedule this morning and the woman who is fantastic I had this call with, the call lasted 14 minutes. Now, we both had an hour scheduled off, but we finished what we needed to talk about. We didn't yes. need to just chit-chat and go on and on. Um, we, we hit it strong. We went into what we needed to do, what she's going to do, what I'm going to do, and goodbye. And that's it. And, and I think people feel like their purpose is to have a one-hour meeting. Their purpose is to get something out of it. That's great. And if I can say something about you, Mary Beth, what I've noticed just in the time we've had you here on the Business Creators Radio Show is some of our guests, and again, I love all of our guests. We have nothing but fantastic guests on the Business Creators Radio Show because we are very finicky about who we bring on. And once we have them on, we do everything in our power to create an amazing experience for the guests and for the listeners is some of our guests – I have a hard time keeping them corralled, and I have a hard time getting the information that I was hoping to get from them for our listeners. And sometimes, you know, as you remember me saying in the green room, we have an hour or less. I mean, it cuts off at one hour, and otherwise we lose the broadcast. I sometimes have to sort of, like, as politely as possible, pause people and say, look, this is very interesting, but we have like a minute and a half left here. In your case... We got through everything that you originally planned to bring to us at about the 34-minute mark, which is outstanding. So at this point, we're bringing in some other ideas, and we also have a couple additional questions, if you'll allow me, from folks who uh, listened to the Business Creators Radio Show, saw you're up on the website, and had a couple questions they wanted me to relate to you, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. right. So, So I mean that, absolutely. As I mean that absolutely as a compliment. Um, what I said is the fact that you were able to deliver your message within the first 34 minutes. That's outstanding. And it was a very powerful message. And everybody who's listening to this live, make sure you go on iTunes and download this. Um, before we get into questions, though, I do want to make um, you know just an observation about what I did here. And I'd like to see if you have any critique on this, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, years and years and years ago, I was involved in a local professional organization. And uh, through a combination of hard work and all that other stuff that uh, helps us move forward, I found myself on the board of directors. So for three years, I was on this board of directors, and I would uh, you know, would have the monthly board meeting. They were supposed to last 90 minutes, but we were lucky if it only lasted two and a half hours. And there were times, you know, and this was, you know, these were in the evening, so I'd already had a long day, whether it work or business or what have you. I sometimes fell asleep during the meetings, like literally fell asleep because I was so disengaged from all the Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it really felt like the teacher in the Charlie Brown cartoons. I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's what this was. So, lo and behold, uh, things happen, and I become president of the organization. We have an election, and as the only candidate, I win with a landslide. So, I decide that we're going to do our meetings a little bit differently. And before we have our first board meeting, I email everybody on the board and I say, before each and every meeting that we have from now on, here's what I'd like you to do. If you could please, within 72 hours, at least 72 hours before the meeting, send the entire board using the distribution email address, send us three things. Tell us what you're working on, what you need support on, and what ideas you have for growing and enhancing the chapter. Doesn't have to be a 
book report. It doesn't have to be a term paper or a dissertation. It doesn't have to have a specific format. In fact, it can be three sentences, uh, whatever, whatever it is. But I need answers to those three questions. What are you working on? What do you need support from the group on? And what ideas do you have for enhancing and growing the chapter? And, uh, I mean, I would accept anything. One of our board members would regularly submit, uh, you know, submit a two page dissertation-like thing, and a lot of his ideas were good, and we ended up implementing a lot of them, more power to him. Um, other people, at the very last second, would send me off an email with bullet points. Great, still got the point across. So we have this very first meeting, right? And we, uh, we open the meeting promptly at 6 o'clock, and I start going around to the people in the room. Now, out of the seven people on the board, four people on the board had submitted these summaries in advance. So 90-minute meeting, and somehow, Mary Beth, you know, it's funny how these things work sometimes, but funny, the first 90 minutes, we managed to get through the four people who had submitted their summaries. And then promptly at 7.30, I said, okay, guys, we've been through everybody who submitted the summaries. Great meeting. See you next month. Now, the other people who hadn't submitted summaries were saying, well, hey, what about me? I haven't given my report. And I said, well, you didn't submit a summary. I just assumed you didn't have anything going on. And when they gave me the inevitable dirty look and the growling, I said, well, uh, next time, uh, please submit your summaries. And wouldn't you know that for the next 11 months, uh, I got those summaries right on time every single time because nobody likes to be left out. Well, right. And what you're doing is helping them to be more focused. Right. Uh, you know, people will go in, and, and especially extroverts will go into a meeting like, well, I don't need to be prepared. Right. Uh, you know, I'll just offer my thoughts. And that's great, but an extrovert is always better when they're prepared. Um, anyone is better when they're prepared. And so what you're asking them to do is to be focused. And yes. there is nothing wrong with that. I mean, that, that's just common sense. Every meeting should have what you just described with those three questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the questions, again, are, uh, you know, what are you working on? What do you need support on and what ideas do you have for growing, whether it's the chapter, the business, the marketing plan, the organization, whatever it is. So it's uh, what you're doing, what you need and what you have to contribute, because I didn't really want to hear the um, the vice president of communications uh, give us the whole lowdown about all the changes that were being made to the website and blah, blah, blah. And uh, what we're doing with the marketing flyers, I wanted them to write that down and be able to say to the group. All right. So now that we've now that we've uh, read uh, read James. James's summary here, what do we have to think about that? So now we're moving directly into supporting James with what he needs with the website, the flyers, how we communicate information about events, and things of that ilk. So it becomes a much more valuable meeting. So, uh, so Maribeth, we have uh, somebody who is, um, you know, who's a listener of the Business Creators Radio Show. And one of the things that they wanted to know on this topic of social intelligence and connecting is, and it's funny that you mentioned this earlier, is... Uh, they have told me that, you know, when they know they want to meet somebody, whether there's somebody at a networking event, they've also applied the same thing to dating. When they have, when they make a date with somebody, they'll go and Google the person and check them out on social media. And what they're asking is, does this make me a weirdo or a stalker? Or is this something we really should be doing? Well, think about it this way. If I take the time to create a profile on LinkedIn, am I doing it so people see it or so they don't see it? Well, obviously, I've created it so people see it. Right. So somehow we've gotten the mistake, the mistaken impression that they've put it up there to see it. But if we look at it, then we're being creepy. But right. the reality is it's up there so people can see it. That's why we put our social media presence out there. And, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, whatever social media posts. If I put a video on my YouTube channel, I'm not doing it because I don't want people to watch it. I'm doing it because I want them to watch it. Right. And so I think that's, that's the perception or, or that's the take that we need to have when we think about how do we use social media in our businesses and even in our personal lives. We're using it to find out more about that person with information that they have put out there about themselves. Right. Right, pre precisely, and, and you know, and I do that all the time as well. And um, and I and it's it's just funny how this works. But you can use social media to create coincidences. Has always been my experience ever since I figured this out about four or five years ago. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Uh, absolutely. Right. You know, 
hey, I, hey, I went to Syracuse. Oh yeah, no, I went to Syracuse too. That's wow, funny. That's, that's awesome. funny. You should mention. I've. Uh, that's funny. You should mention, Mary Beth. I've been to Syracuse a bunch of times myself. Yeah, right. That's exactly what it's all about. It's because see, being a good connector and having social intelligence is about saying something that is interesting to the other person. Well, what's interesting to the other person? Probably where they went to school, where they grew up. Um, you know what their what their profession is what their sport, favorite sports team is. And if we can find some of this stuff out, it's a home run. I mean, I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan. If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, what do you think about the Packers getting rid of Bush? I'd be like, oh, and we'd start having, mm-hmm. I don't care who the person is. Next thing you know, we're having a big conversation about some player that was just released. And now I'm looking at this person in a different way. I kind of like the person just because he's a Packer fan. Well, it's a pretty good start. It's a pretty good start because we have something in common. And that's the thing about dating is you're looking for things that you have in common, things that you like the same way, things that you can talk about, things that you have similar interests in. Right, right, precisely. So, I mean, just during the time that you told me that, you know, I did, uh, I did a little checking on you on social media here. And so now I just, just in the time it told me, you know, the time that, um, you told me that you answered that question, I found out a number of things about you. I found out who our mutual Facebook friends are. So it gives me a sense of some of the circles you may work with. I've had a chance to scan your wall. So I've learned some of the things that are important to you. And it's funny that you mentioned the Packers because you have a post that says, Packers, pa- fact, excuse me, Packers fans are the best. I'd agree. So this is interesting. So she's really interested in football. There could be a potential connection here. Right. That, that's exactly right. And right. that simple information, you know, can, if I'm going to put it on my Facebook page that I'm right. a Packers fan, I must really be a Packers fan. If somebody puts something on their LinkedIn um, or their Facebook uh, profile, they, it's really them. And so being able to take that as information is good. Now, I don't know about going into a first date and saying, well, I Google searched you last night. You don't do that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, but by by researching, yeah. Go ahead. You to create, create those coincidences like you said. Right, exactly. So you, so you're not looking to say, well, you're you're not trying to sting them and say, oh, look what I know about you. But it's the idea of finding <laughs> things that are interesting to them that are also interesting to you, and know where you can steer the conversation. Like for instance, uh, it looks like you spent some time in uh, in upstate New York because uh, it looks like you spent at least uh, three or four years there. You went to Syracuse University. That is right. And this was in the 1980s. That's right. And so if somebody would say that to me, the first thing that I would say is our football team never lost a game when I was at Syracuse and our basketball team went to the final four. And now all of a sudden we have a conversation. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. And so you can use your own information too. You you know, you don't just say, oh, I see you went to Syracuse University in the 80s. Yes, I did. You know, that's not a good conversation either. So you've got to bring it as well as asking the questions. Right, right, right. So if I find out there's a Syracuse connection, the first question I'm typically going to ask is, how many Benny Mardonis concerts did you go to? <laughs> See, I, you, know I what, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking I about. I have, a, I have a whole drawer full of Benny towels. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. You see, so it's coincidences that come up because you've got information. You've, information is critical. You can't connect with someone. Um, well, you can, but you've got to get the information out of them. So either you come armed with it or you find out when you ask questions. But like I mentioned about the introvert, the high introvert that, you know, has built his business on doing networking events and, and he, you know, he's not really a big fan of them except for they work for him. He has to be prepared for those meetings. He does a Google search. He looks at the company's website. He figures out if they've won some awards or something going on with their firm so he knows what that opening question is going to be. He doesn't go in and just say, hey, you know, I was checking you out online. You know, that's not what he says. He right. comes with good information. Hey, I heard your, your company won some award. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just won this award, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you've got a conversation that is all about them. That's where it's at. If it can be all about both of you, it's even better. But if it's all about them, that is, it's, it's really interesting. Right. 
precisely. So, so Mary Beth, I just want to say this has been a, a, a wonderful experience. And we have about maybe about five minutes left here. So first of all, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is your extremely busy schedule to slum it down here with us here at the Business Creators Radio Show. Well, it's been it's been my pleasure. It's been a lot of fun uh, chatting with you today. Precisely. So before we break off here, what I want to do, because we have a couple minutes left here, is I want to give you the floor and tell us how you serve business creators and how our listeners who are on the edge of their seats wanting to know more about this can get more from you regarding this topic and anything else you do. Well, thank you. And, and I would say that the best first place is to look at, you know, we've got a website, redzonemarketing.com, and there's a couple important tabs in that website. One of the tabs is called premiums, like premiums but free. You might right. have heard of that. I'm familiar with the concept. And, yes, and so freemiums are where we've got lots and lots of content. Maybe it's other radio interviews that I've done. Maybe it's just free downloads of things that you can have, but not costing you any money, but stuff that truly is put there to help you grow your business. And so everybody's businesses are different and everybody's in a different stage of their business. So we have a lot of stuff there on the website. The other tab that you might want to look at in the website is called online learning. And we actually have a program called, it's really about social intelligence. It's called Mastering the Art of Social Intelligence. I like it. And it is a video uh, their courses. So each video is maybe about 10 minutes and there's some other different documents and things and work that you can do so that you can become a better connector and better at social intelligence. And that program is available just online and there's something that you can sign up for to get uh, some free things first to see if you're even going to like something like that. Right. And that would be something that you might want to do. And then the, the other way is just to go to Amazon.com and look up uh, Red Zone Marketing or look up Kuzmeski, K-U-Z-M-E-S-K-I. All my books are there on the uh, Amazon site. And the most recent books are The Connectors that I mentioned earlier in this interview. It's about social intelligence. I interviewed hundreds of successful connectors. And I didn't ask them, are relationships important? I asked them, how do you do it? Right. And the book is filled with the tactics of, social, of you know, connecting and social intelligence. And so that book is available uh, market, it, it's available in Audible, it's available on your Kindle or, you know, uh, or just in hardcover or paperback. And then the other one is And the Clients Went Wild, which is another book that I wrote about. It, it's after the connectors, so it's how do you take those relationships that you have and turn them into more? How do you get your, you know, it's kind of like raising fans except raising fans for 2015. And so right. how do you actually get your clients to, to talk about you and to, and to go wild about the work that you've done? And then I've also written a book, which you mentioned earlier, called The Engaging Child. And that book is written, it's, it's more of a parenting book. I'm not an expert parent, but I wrote it with my daughter, so I'd have a little bit of credibility. But it's really <laughs> about how we're raising kids today to, to continue to have relationship skills that we have. So if they're texting all the time, they're not practicing their relationship skills. And when they go into an interview or start working for a company, they're not often armed with what they need to be successful. And so that book also is available on Amazon in all the different formats. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So we've got lots of of free content and stuff you can pay just a little bit for. And then our consulting services, you know, typically, like I said, we're in the financial services industry and working with top executives. And if anyone falls into that category – Absolutely, um, you know, get a hold of us at redzonemarketing.com. Right, right, and uh, just as a and just as a point here to mention, if I were to have it in mind that I wanted to meet you in person, like I knew you were going to be at a at a seminar or a networking type thing, and uh, I knew you were going to be there, and I was planning on attending it, or if I were uh, scheduled to attend one of your events that you were hosting, I would show up wearing a red shirt. Or a shirt with yeah, red. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. always wear, when I'm speaking, I always wear red, always, always, always. Why? Because I'm not memorable. I don't look memorable. My last name is Kuzmeski. You can't spell it. It's not memorable. So if I wear a red suit and the name of my company is Red Zone Marketing, at least I have a fighting chance. Right, precise, precise, precisely, and and the reason I wanted to mention that, just to kind of put an anchor back to what we covered, you and I discussed earlier, is if I'm wearing something with some red in it, it's going to be something you resonate with. 
That's exactly right. It's a subliminal thing. Like we mentioned the Syracuse thing earlier, and I asked you how many Benny Mardonis concerts you'd been to, which is something that anybody who lives in Syracuse knows um, his presence there in terms of his music career. Well, the first time I met him in person, I made sure to wear all black. Mm. Because yep. he always wears completely all black. I mean, every day is he, you know, even when he goes to the supermarket, he's always dressed that way. So it's something that would resonate with him. If uh, he wore hot pink, I would have worn hot pink. It's just something that you do in terms of creating connections with people. It's not only the words, it's sometimes just looking for what resonates with them and putting yourself in that situation. Absolutely. Right, right. So, uh, so again, again, uh, Mary Beth Kuzmeski, thank you so much for your time with us on the Business Creators Radio Show today. Show today. This has been an education and an experience. Well, it has been for me as well. Thank you very much. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes where our guest experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. And we're done. And time-wise, that was perfect. We were off by about six seconds. Oh, well, well good. Yeah, that was, that, I, mean, I mean, that was outstanding. I mean, we came in six seconds short of an hour. That was perfect. <laughs> you can't really get closer than that, I mean, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I've, I mean, we've done almost 100 of these already. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, I've gotten used to it uh, because I've seen what happens when you run over. We've only run over like three times. And one of them was when we had Larry Winget on the show. Ah, I, I I got yeah, he, him I, I got him really mad about something and he wouldn't stop. He's a big <laughs> talker and he does get mad about stuff. Uh, oh, well, we, we did on purpose because that's what our listeners wanted. They wanted to see him get fired up, and you know, you know, he's a very intimidating human being, not only in his presence but his message. But he was one of the easiest interviews we ever did. Uh, all we had to do was look at what he'd been saying on his blog recently and ask him about it, and he would just go off, and uh, our listeners <laughs> ate it up. Oh, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. Yes, 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 certainly. So um, so we're going to have your episode on sometime within the next few weeks. Uh, Tracy will let uh, let you um, and or um, I believe it's Denise who works with you, uh, if I have that yes. name. Yeah. I'll let uh, you guys know uh, as soon as we have it, uh, you know, the date finalized, and we'll get you all the materials and the link and everything. So any, you know, gain you can gain from it, uh, you know, please be our guest and be encouraged. And we also promote it through our channels as well to get it, uh, more listens to it. Well, awesome. We will certainly promote it. So thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, and thank you very much for uh, taking the time to be with us today. It's, it's it's my honor and my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure too. All right, thank you. We'll see you. Bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye.